Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ABA's Law Student Podcast. I'm Demario Thornton. I'm your host. And today we have a very special episode. I want you to hold up. Wait, I know I say it's a very special episode every single time, but this is a very niche episode. So if you are interested in any type of niche law, this probably would be the best thing for you. So today we have the one and only Mr. Arlen Lewis. He is a partner with Blueprint Construction Council. How are you today, Mr. Lewis? I'm well, Demario. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let me tell you a little backstory. So how did you get here? So so I um uh, my first summer I summered at Bradley Arendt in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm originally from Birmingham. And um at the time I was the only black male associate. I mean, I'm sorry, summer associate. And every day I would talk to a paralegal and she would tell me, oh, you remind me of uh, this guy who used to work here. I'm like, who, who, who is he? And she said, let me go and look him up. And she looked you up and it was Arlen Lewis. And she said he worked in construction law and he was bad. He, he really knew it. And I think he owns his own law firm now. So the next summer I came back. And she told me again, and I said, you know what? I didn't follow up. Let me look into this. Fast forward at the end of the summer, I um, select construction law. I'm going to be a part of the construction um, practice group. And I just saw your trajectory, and I was like, he is one of the people that I really want to speak to because we are going to be in the same field, and I think he is a leader in the field. So that is the origin story of how you got here. (laughs) <laughs> well, that is very interesting, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm glad that someone at Bradley thinks well of me. So uh, you didn't mention the paralegal's name, but maybe I'll figure that out. We'll talk about that off air. Okay, and I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to thank him or her uh, for that reference. But that's uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So. So you have a background in construction. You went to, uh, I believe, Hampton University, correct? Correct. Correct. You went to Hampton University and you have a background in architecture. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. For however long as I can remember. I don't remember where the the notion to uh, be an architect first entered my mind. I just remember that as a young child, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And so uh, I had some artistic ability and ended up by going to Hampton University for architecture. It was either going to be Hampton or University of Southern California. Completely different coasts, (laughs) but I ended up going to Hampton primarily uh, because their financial package that they offered me was just so much better for me. You know, USC was very expensive. I didn't come from a family that could just write a check for tuition. So I was looking at carrying a a lot of loan debt from USC and uh, made the decision to go to Hampton. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad you did, too, because that's a historically black college and university. (laughs) And I actually went to Talladega College. So that's um, that's an HBC as well. And I go to Southern University. So you always had a notion that you wanted to work in this this field somewhere in this field. 
so you have a background in ar- architecture. I know a lot a lot of law students are listening. Does that mean that you were good with math and science? Uh, it means I was uh, sufficient in math and science. <laughs> I was good enough to get through, you know, obviously with architecture, you've got to take the physics and you've got to do a uh, class uh, or a series of classes called structures, which is really applied physics and mathematics. Uh, so I was good enough to get through all of that. So <laughs> good is a relative term. Okay, so you finish Hampton and you go straight to law school. You go to Vanderbilt Law School. When you go to law school, do you know you're going to work in some sort of construction law? Uh, That's an interesting question. And before I answer it, let me back up and just uh, give you a little bit of how I even got interested in going to law school. Yeah, I mentioned that I was I thought I was interested in being an architect. Uh, So I went to Hampton. And for those of you who don't know, architecture is a five year program. Uh, It's it's a fairly intense uh, program. And about my third year through architecture school, I was introduced to a class uh, that was called professional practice. And that was the first time that I was introduced to the notion of contracts related to the construction industry. Uh, And I really, really was intrigued by that class and the things that we learned and the, the, the concepts of contracts and liability and responsibility. Uh, and I was a fairly good writer. And so I was just very, very intrigued with that. And at the same time, I was beginning to realize that the problem-solving aspect of architecture is what I enjoyed more than the quote-unquote design aspect or or some of the other purely architecture-related things. Uh, So I just kind of filed that in the back of my head. But went ahead and finished the five entire five-year program. But that's when I decided that I would consider law school. And so I applied to several law schools, ultimately ended up choosing Vanderbilt. And I used to joke with my architecture classmates that I would represent them when they screwed something up. Yeah, that was, and it it really was a joke because at the time I didn't realize there was a niche for construction law. I just, again, was intrigued by the concept. Obviously, I was familiar with the industry. Uh, And so I really went to Vanderbilt thinking that I would practice corporate law. Okay. It really wasn't even thinking uh, more toward litigation. Okay. So... Well, first of all, manifestation is powerful because you were joking, but it's, so you were already saying that. So you've you've basically filed in the back of your mind that I like this little piece, this little aspect. So when you get to law school, you are throughout your course of law school. Are you still in the mindset? I'm going to do corporate. I'm going to do transactional. You know, when you go to law school, oftentimes you don't know exactly what you're going to do because you don't know what you don't know. Correct. And, you Correct. know, the, the, the field of the profession of law is so uh, broad that you can, you know, there's so many areas that you just will never even know exist. Uh, and so, I, you know, I'm the first lawyer in my family, so I had no frame of reference. I had no one to sort of bounce things off of and say, hey, should I do this? Should I do that? Uh, so I just went with an open mind of, you know, look, I know Vanderbilt's a great law school. I'm going to go check it out. And we'll see where where things go. 
Uh, Vanderbilt does not, or at least uh, I don't think they have at this time, and they certainly didn't when I was there, they don't have a construction law class. So that wasn't an introduction. I will tell you how I came upon construction law as a niche. As you know, when you go to law school, one of the one of the things you want to do is find work in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. So as a 1L, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to date me quite a bit because I know now everything is electronic. But at the time, there was a resource called Martindale Hubble, uh, you know, sort of bios. And this is where you would pull out actual books. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of the firms had, you know, firm bios and bios of individual lawyers. Well, I knew, obviously, of Bradley because Bradley was a large firm in, in, in Alabama. And I knew that they recruited heavily at Vanderbilt. So I'm, I'm flipping through Alabama firms because I'm thinking, OK, I have an Alabama connection. I'm not sure I want to go back to Alabama to practice. But, you know, let's start there. Because I was looking for ways that outside of just, you know, my resume and my transcript, how could I make a connection with firms that I'm, I'm talking to? Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I've got an Alabama connection, so it makes sense for me to at least look in that direction. Well, I start flipping the pages through Bartondale Hubble. I come up on Bradley and I'm reading down through some of the bios and I, I come across all these lawyers that talk about construction law. And I mean, it's pretty extensive uh, information regarding construction. So it's not like they just handle a, a case here or there. And there's several lawyers that have these extensive bios related to construction. So the light bulb in my head went off and said, hmm, maybe I need to pursue this. I've got an architecture background. Again, this is something I felt could be uh, an advantage for me because it's, it's not a usual precursor to law school. Uh, so my stumbling upon construction law was purely uh, out of a self-serving need to find work as a 1L. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Um, I have a quick little story. We'll be right back. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C. And get $500 off with code HAPPY24. This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. It's never too early to start exploring potential practice areas and building your network in the field. The Law Student Division provides students like you with resources and experiences aimed at helping them succeed in law school and prepare for what's next. Claim your full law student membership for just $25 by visiting ambar.org join. All right, we're back with Mr. Arlen Lewis, and he was telling us how he stumbled upon construction law. What is eerie to me is 
I literally stumbled upon the exact same thing. Well, not the book, because that was like, <laughs> it, not that. But <laughs> I stumbled upon an ad on, um, on the boards that we use. And I saw Birmingham. I'm originally from Birmingham. So I was just like, oh, well, I'll do that because I have a connection. In my mind, I... I am going to be the first lawyer in my family as well. But the only thing I had reference of was criminal law. I'm like, well, you mean this is what I see on TV? This is what I know. So this is what I'm going to do. I was afforded to have um, good grades to be a viable candidate. But I literally like Mr. Bean just like stumbled into like the firm. But I wasn't looking at construction. I was just like. I'm just going to put my hat in the ring. But once I got there, the construction group took a very uh, good interest in me. And that's when it opened up my eyes to all of the different things. But me personally, I have a degree in mass communication. So it wasn't like a just a, a synergized fit for me. I just kind of like was like, OK, these are the people I like. I'm very, very good at contracts. OK, we'll see what, what goes on here so you stumble upon con construction law you work there for two summers do you do the work for two summers yeah but i've got another little i got lots of little stories i'm so, ready so, I'm so cut, I'm cut, me, I'm ready. cut me off if uh drop these nuggets i'm ready but they they all sort of lead to where we're going uh so i find out that bradley does a lot of construction law and at the time at Vanderbilt, the way it works is, you know, you sort of toss your hat in the ring. The firm gets to pick 50% of their interviewees. And then the other 50% are sort of randomly selected from all the students oh. who toss their hat in the ring. Needless to say, I wasn't on either list. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> okay. I, I'm like, okay, well, that's, um, that's interesting. You know, I mean, and sometimes <laughs> that's just the way things shake out. So I already had another job secured for the first half of the summer. But it was, again, this is 1L and not all law firms hire 1Ls. It's more prevalent today, but I'm sure back then it was like, no. Right, right. So I had a job for the, the first half that was in Nashville, but it was a non-paying job. But I was going to take mm -hmm. it just because I was like, yeah, I need to build course. my resume, I need the experience. And so I was really needing one of these paid jobs. Yeah. So the schedule for Bradley was posted outside of the particular interview room uh, that they were on. So I went, had my resume, had my transcript, and I noted what time they had a break. And so after they'd finished an interview and while they were on their break, I just walked in. Introdu there were two lawyers there. <laughs> Introduced myself, said, hi, I'm Arlen Lewis. I'm an architecture major. You know, I grew up in Alabama. I noticed that you all have a lot of lawyers that do construction law. That's an area that I'm interested in. You know, I wasn't on your, your list, but here's my resume. Here's my transcript. Uh, you know, I'd love the opportunity to, to chat with you guys at some point. And, you know, obviously they were caught off guard. Right. I can imagine. <laughs> and uh, both the lawyers are still at Bradley and they're both very dear friends to me now. But, you know, they kind of stumbled through. They were like, well, uh, OK. <laughs> and, you know, that was that. And I, I left and my mindset was I have nothing to lose. Right. Right. 
You know, I need a job. I don't have one. I'm interested in this firm. I'm interested in this practice group. I have nothing to lose. So, you know, I didn't try to force an interview at that time. I just dropped that off, said a couple of words. And the next week, I got a call saying, you know, we'd like for you to come down to Birmingham, you know, to meet some of our lawyers. And and let me just stop you. That's probably the best feeling because you didn't have the stress of like, are they going to call me? Are they, will they not? You just kind of like just dropped it off and forgot about it, which is probably the least stressful thing ever. <laughs> I guess it was least stressful because I'd already figured that, you know, worst right. case scenario, I'm in the same position I was. Right. And so the stress began when they called back and said, we'd like to have you come back down. Of course. Uh, so I did. I went back down. I met several of the lawyers and, um, you know, both in construction and in other practice groups. And a few weeks later, they called and, and said, hey, we'd like you to come down and spend part of your summer with us. Wow. So that was my connection to Bradley. And, uh, you know, I worked primarily with the construction group uh, during that summer. And they made me a permanent offer after after that first summer. So I felt like... After your first summer? Yes. Yes. Is that unheard of or is that heard of for the times? It didn't happen frequently. Okay. But I think it may have happened with at least one other person that I clerked with that summer at Bradley. And, you know, Bradley had large clerkship classes at that time, you know. Right. 60, 70. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, Is that across all of them or just in Birmingham? That was, that was across yeah. all of them because at the time, Bradley only had the Birmingham office was the main office. They had Huntsville. And I don't remember whether they had just opened up Montgomery, but it, it had right. not spread out vastly like it is now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so so you get the permanent offer, and we're at the same place. Well, I didn't get mine my first year. I just got an offer to come back the next summer and then an offer after that. So now, in your mind, you're like, I'm in law school. I'm going to be a construction attorney. You know this. Do you gear any of the classes that you choose are you just going through just as you were before or did you change like what are you going to the tools you're going to put in your tool belt no i really didn't change you know change direction obviously when i got into my second and third years i was you know thinking about my electives mm -hmm. and even though they extended the offer i didn't accept it Right off that first year, because I wanted okay. to also, you know, explore some other firms and see what else was out there. Uh, but, you know, I didn't take, you know, intellectual property, but I made sure I, I loaded up on legal writing courses, right. obviously contract courses. And uh, the other electives I took, either I thought they would be useful or, you know, I knew the uh, professor to be engaging I got you. Cool. So we will be back with Mr. Arlen Lewis after these messages. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Mr. Arlen Lewis. He is the premier construction attorney in the United States. Did I even mention that he is the uh, leader of the construction practice group for the ABA? Is that correct? Yes, I'm. Uh, I just finished my term as chair of the ABA's Forum on Construction Law. 
Gotcha. So let's talk about the practice of construction. I think this is where all my questions come. So like I said, I am also going to be the first lawyer in my family. And uh, when I explain to them that I'm going to be in construction law, they're like, that is not your personality because I can't see you in steel toe boots and a flannel shirt and driving a tractor. I'm like, well, that's not going to be what I'm going to be doing. But how would you describe the practice of construction law to a layperson? I get this question a lot, particularly, you know, if I'm traveling on an airplane and people say, well, you know, what do you do? And I mentioned I'm right. a construction lawyer. Uh, what they generally say is, oh, what's that? The best way I have found, or the most succinct way I've found to describe that is, you know, look, I help entities in the construction industry draft and negotiate contracts. Uh, I render project advice if things are happening on a project. And if things go very wrong, I get involved and help them resolve disputes like, you know, the project is late, you know, who's responsible for the delay, and then, of course, time is money. And so, or if the project runs over budget, I get involved in helping to decide who is responsible for the cost overruns. That's about the most succinct explanation I can provide. Okay. So, um, most people don't know this, but most construction litigation does not happen in the court system, it happens in arbitration. Do you feel that you? missed out on well I can't say missed out because you thought you were going to be a corporate or transactional <laughs> attorney do you still get the excitement of disputing when it's just arbitration oh absolutely uh, because arbitration is really it's just like a trial the only difference is depending on what rules you're bound by uh, and whether or not you've agreed to, you know, apply the civil procedure rules of a court, which you typically don't, you know, there's, you know, you have everything. You've got the arbitrator or the panel of arbitrators who essentially act as judges. They are the, you know, fact finders. They will ultimately determine what the outcome is. Uh, you present evidence. You present witnesses. You cross-examine witnesses. Uh, you take depositions. Uh, in preparation for it, you go through the discovery process. Uh, it's just you have all of those things, but it's slightly different than it is in the courtroom. Right. So arbitration does not get you out of the dispute process. It's it's just a, a slight difference from the court. Would you say that most of your law is based in contract law? Most of it. Most, Most of, it. of it starts with the contract. Obviously, okay. you can get into, you know, torts uh, in certain yeah. cases, but most of it is based in contracts. Which is a win for me because, I mean, I, I'm not an expert, but I mean, I, that's my most expertise would be in contract law. I enjoy contract law. Is there a certain personality type that would do well in construction law? I don't think there's a certain personality type because one, and you'll find this when you when you start working at Bradley, within that construction group, 
there are so many different personality types. And, you know, through my involvement with the ABA Forum on Construction Law, yeah, I've met uh, and deal with construction lawyers from all over the country and all over the world. And their personalities are as varied as you would find in any other compilation of people. So, no, there's not a specific personality type uh, that's better or worse for construction law, in my opinion. Gotcha. All right. So right now you started in big law and now you've um, moved to another firm. What has that transition been like or is it just the same? Uh, there are certain things that are similar. For example, the the one of the things I enjoyed about working, um, you know, in big law is, is the complexity of the matters that you deal with. Uh, and uh, that is pretty much the same because my other partners have also spent some time in big law and, and whatnot. And so the matters that we work on are just as complex, just as large uh, and just as interesting. There is a major difference, though, and that is I'm a lot more involved in the management of, you know, the day-to-day practice, right? When you're, mm-hmm. when you're at a big firm, you know, you pick up the phone and, and you call a paralegal if you need one. If they're not available, there are several others on the bench. Well, now, yeah, if I need a paralegal... To the extent we have them already employed, yes, same process. But if I need some service or skill that we don't have in-house, well, that means I've got to do the business analysis of, okay, is it time to hire somebody? Is it time to hire them full-time? Do I need to start part-time? You know, do I need somebody on a contract basis? That business analysis is a lot different when you're in a uh, smaller firm. Gotcha. Do you believe that there is any type of prerequisite in um, majors or anything like that to be successful in the construction practice group? No. You know, obviously, my connection came through my background. Right. And I I do think, you know, it um, it's appreciated you know, by other lawyers as well as by clients. They're like, oh, okay, this guy is an architect. Or, you know, if you've got a background in construction, you served as a project manager or something like that. That's very helpful, but it is mm-hmm. certainly not necessary. I would say that a majority of construction lawyers that I know came from backgrounds that were completely unrelated to that. Uh, and in fact, some of the absolute best construction lawyers that I've dealt with, you know, they've been English majors, history majors, you know, it's, it's not absolutely necessary because you will learn what you need to know as you practice. Yes. Don't shy away from construction. Yeah, <laughs> don't shy away. All right. So this is the final question. Now, this is where the, the lights come down <laughs> on who wants to be a millionaire, who wants to be a construction attorney. What do you wish you had have known while you're in law school to increase your chances or to help you today? I guess I could phrase it in terms of what I wish I had known. Or maybe it's easier, more easily translated in what I wish I had done more of and been aware of. 
And this is not just related to construction law. I think this could apply to uh, any segment of law that someone is considering. I guess I wish I had realized how important it was to maintain and foster the relationships with your classmates in law school. Hmm. Because what you'll find is, you know, once you leave law school, everybody goes their separate ways. Everybody does their thing. But, you know, even though your classmates may be going to different law firms today, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they may be in a general counsel role at an industry that seems completely unrelated to, you know, what they said they were going to do in terms of, you know, where they go to practice law. And if you maintain those relationships, you never know how that's going to come back around and uh, be of value to both you or you to them. And so, you know, I, I wish I had taken more time and made more of an effort to develop more relationships with my classmates. I mean, mm. obviously there are plenty that I did maintain and that I, yeah. you know, maintain today. But had I known then what I know now, I would have been more strategic. And when I say strategic, I mean just reaching out and, and taking the time and making the effort to know more of my classmates. Do you think it helps a little bit that we have social media now and you can just like send people like just stay abreast on their lives? Yes, that certainly is helpful. But I would encourage you to develop personal relationships because nowadays the thing about social media is, you know, well, if you it's easy for anyone to reach out. So right. let's say one of your classmates ends up as the, the general counsel of a, a major construction company 10 years down the road. You know, maybe you passed them in the hall a couple of times in law school, but you didn't really develop a relationship with them. Right. Well, if you're a construction lawyer and you see that they're at this construction company and now you reach out via social media. Got you. It sends a certain message, not necessarily Correct. a bad message. Now, yeah. But it's one thing. It's another thing if you know that person, have developed a relationship with them, aside from, you know, their current status, it's just a different dynamic. Gotcha. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here first. Upon graduation date, don't cut the people off just because you're tired of being in class with them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Lewis, I want to thank you so much. You've really given some gems, and I'm going to take some of these things. I'm sure there are people that are listening that are going to take these. If they want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, the best way to reach me is uh, email, uh, and that's a Lewis at blueprintlaw.com. I will say this, just because you send an email doesn't mean I've seen it. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm ready to respond to it. So uh, give me a little time. But, uh, you know, if you tell me that this is how you came to hear of me, I'll certainly be glad to, to reach back out to you. The other thing I would encourage anyone to do who may be interested in construction law is to, uh, well, one, join the law student division of the ABA. I think it's free. Mm -hmm. uh, and look for the forum on construction law. 
Uh, I don't recall exactly, but I think membership there for young lawyers is either free or severely reduced. 25, I think. Okay, yes. So that's that's extremely low. Uh, that is a that organization is a is a wealth of knowledge. It is the place where I outside of the practice group, that's where I acquired the most valuable knowledge of construction law generally. Gotcha. So gotcha. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an excellent conversation. And um, thank you again. Well, Demario, thank you. And I hope that uh, you will uh, look me up when you get to Birmingham. And I definitely will. I'll look forward to staying in touch with you. No problem. Say fun fun on you. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Demario. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. <laughs>